Guys, can I ask you, it feels like we're so scattered and so, can I ask you guys just to be a little bit closer? I feel so disconnected. I would love to feel closer to you, closer together. Um, yeah, it's just great to, to see you guys tonight. And uh, yeah, may the Lord really meet us all in a very profound way tonight. It's really, really great to see you. Great to see some new faces. Nice to see you with us again. Leanne, it's nice to have you with us. Keanu, Tegan, thanks for coming. Looking forward to the rugby later, hey? Uh, so yeah, so are you guys ready to learn something tonight? Yes. Come on, are you ready to learn something? Tell your neighbor next to you the following. I want you to tell your neighbor something. You are going to learn something tonight. Tell your neighbor that. Okay. You are going to be equipped. You are going to be empowered. Okay, so... I want to talk tonight, I know we've been, you know, looking at, uh, we, we're following on with our series from discernment and ethics, and I want to take it from a slightly different angle tonight, and one of the meanings of discernment, or to discern something, means to recognize something. Okay, so I want to talk about recognizing discernment and how we can actually navigate it. So specifically, I want to look at this idea of transition and change. So how many of you guys know that transition and change are part of our lives? It's inevitable, right? Every, or every single one of us at some stage of our lives, it's just part of our lives. So for the sake of clarity, I want to distinguish, I want to make a distinction between change and transition. So if you change, or if you want to talk about change, it's defined as an event, a moment in time. So you move to a new job, you resign from a job, you, get into a, you move to a new home, maybe you become a parent, you become a husband, you become a wife, or maybe you have a new realization, like I had recently. Um, so that's what we mean when we speak about, we speak about change. Transition, on the other hand, is the process that unfolds before before, during, and after the event. So some of these shifts that we experience in our lives can be natural. So think about we are all human beings, right? So I'm a child, a child becomes a toddler, a toddler becomes an adolescent, an adolescent becomes an adult, an adult becomes a spouse, meaning a husband or a wife, and then it progresses and continues where the parent becomes a grandparent, maybe a great-grandparent, great-grandparent, and ultimately death. So those are some of the, that's some of the, the natural progression that we experience in our lives. Or how many of you, how many of you, are there, are there any matriculants in this house tonight? Awesome, okay. So you're matric this year, right? So are you thinking, you're, you're in the, your final year of school, are you, has it ever crossed your mind, like, what am I going to do next year? Have you thought about, like, what am I going to do next year, Right? So you're thinking about your future, what you're going to do next year, or how many of you can remember when you were in grade nine and you had to make those, those subject choices? How many can remember that? I'm going to make those subject choices. I'm going to choose, am I going to go for maths, maths literacy, uh, science, biology, business? What am I going to choose? And there's just so many factors, and it's like it's a massive choice because it's going to ultimately decide how your high school career is going to unfold. Or what about how many of you guys remember when you were 
You ended your grade seven primary school year and now you enter into high school. Oh my word, these people are huge and I'm this small person in a, like I'm this small fish in a big pond. How many, how many of you guys can remember that? Okay, so those are some of the natural shifts, just to share some examples with you. Other shifts are put on us or even thrust upon us. And I think about, think about 2020, COVID-19, right? The reality is COVID has changed the world of work. So here's a quote that I come, came across on a website that I want to just read to you. It says, and I quote, the shift to work from home and hybrid workplaces, the office is no longer defined in a particular location or as a particular location. Rather, the workplace is a broad ecosystem of offices, homes, and other places such as cafes and co-working spaces which are utilized by employees in support of their flexibility, functionality, and well-being. Okay, I know it's a mouthful. The point is COVID has changed the way we do business, right? Or what about this one? Imagine you think about a CEO. He started his company 40 years ago, and today he's got a highly successful business. Employees are, they are flourishing, and it's a multi-million rand company. For, it's a successful company. But now he finds himself at the age of retirement. What does he do? Who's going to replace him? Who's going to be the new CEO? Is there a succession plan, and what does that succession plan look like? So, on a personal level, over the past couple of months, I've become aware of change within myself. Some of you might have received some messages from me. And while my own inner journey is ongoing in terms of becoming more like Jesus in my thoughts, in my actions, in my behavior, my heart longs for adventure. My heart yearns for something more. And right now, I'm in the middle of probably the, the biggest transition ever in my life. And frankly, guys, I'm knaping. Guys, I'm like, what is going on? Have you ever been in a situation where things are happening and it feels like the, the wind is blowing, it's so uncertain, and yet there's this thing in my heart that is yearning for more? Can you guys relate with what I'm talking about? Yeah. You feel like there's just something more, but there's so many different factors that are involved that are, that, are, that are there. And so, yeah. So here's a question that I want to just pose to you tonight as we dive into this. When you think of transition, or when you think of change in your life, what emotions are triggered for you? Can I hear some? What, what triggers, what emotion do you feel? When you think of change, what, what gets triggered for you? Give me some emotions. Give me some feelings. Fear? Anxiety, impatience, okay, excitement, adventure, okay, wow. So can we see there's different responses, there's different things that we feel on, this, on, the, on, the, on the inside of us, maybe even a sense of anticipation. So what I want to do tonight is I want to unpack what transition looked like for the early church, and I want to look at the book of Acts. So if Sim can just put that first scripture on the, on the screen for us. So firstly, the book of Acts, if you look at the book of Acts, 
theologians or commentators consider the book of Acts to be a succession narrative, if you like, like a volume two or volume one. So volume one would be, the, in this case, the gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts would be like volume two of this series, if you like. So let me just read this for us. In Acts chapter one, verse one to two, he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Okay, so let's just stop there. The implication, what this verse suggests to us is that Jesus continued to do and to teach through the Holy Spirit. It says what he began to do and teach. So it suggests to us that Jesus continued to do and continued to teach through the Holy Spirit, through the church, and that now he continues to teach the church to us right now. So he continues to teach us and he continues to teach those around us through us, we as the church, okay? So from Acts chapter one up to chapter nine, the focus is on Jewish believers sharing the good news of Jesus with the Jews. That was their mindset, that was their paradigm, or that was their worldview, if you like. So let me just, we need to, in order for us to really get this, we need to get into the mind of what was going on in the mind of a first century believer. So before we can understand it in our day and age, we've got to understand it in the original context. So the mindset or the worldview of the time was this. They viewed Israel as God's unique instrument. Israel is, for them in their mind, Israel is a special is special and by implications, Gentiles, non-believers, or non, excuse me, non-Jewish believers, or non, even non-Jewish people were considered to be inferior or evil. And so the belief, the belief that they had was that God favors Israel over others. And this was what was referred to as the Jewish theology of election. Okay, so that was the mindset that they had at the time. However, there comes a shift, a transition. Remember what we're speaking about. There comes a shift in chapter 10 with the events leading up to the conversion of Cornelius, who was a Roman military officer. So now the fact, think about this, the fact that Luke, the writer of Acts, devotes so much time, so much space in his narrative of 28 chapters, the fact that he devotes so much time to this clearly points to its importance in the development of the gospel through the church. You see, what happens is, Peter ultimately ends up at Cornelius' house, him and his team. When he ends up at his house, shares this message, Peter and his team are surprised when the Holy Spirit is poured out on people who are not Jews. These non-Jewish, Gentile uh, people, they started speaking supernaturally. They were speaking in tongues, given supernatural languages, and they were passionately praising God. Now, here's the point I want to make from this. This transition disrupted what was considered normal. 
God has a habit of messing up our theology. I think I might have shared this story with you guys before, going up to Bloemfontein, my worst day, praying a prayer, and like, I mean, come on, guys, have you ever prayed a prayer for somebody like, I'm tired, just bless you in Jesus' name? You know, have you, come on. Yeah, okay, so I did that. Went away, and I came back, and I was really surprised is that she came back, and to cut a long story short, God, through my worst prayer on my worst day, touched her by the power of the Holy Spirit to such an extent that she decided to keep her baby and not have an abortion. That is God. And that, I think, had, a, had an impact on me. I think it was John Wimber who said, when we go out on a mission, he said, we are both missionaries and the mission field. What I found going to Bloemfontein and doing some, some ministry and things like that is I found that as much as God is touching people with the power of the Holy Spirit and part of a team, God is doing things, God is actually changing something on me as well. Amen. He's doing something in me. He's helping me to see from a different perspective. And I don't know what it is, but there's, a, there's another dimension of the Holy Spirit that is encountered out on the streets in the malls that is just different compared to the church building. I don't have a theology for that, but I've just experienced God does things. I think it was John Wimber who said the meat is on the street, you know? So, so what I want to do is let's read a passage together. In order to learn, I, wanna, I want us to focus on a couple of things. We're going to learn how they managed transition and therefore how we can manage transition. So let's put, put up Acts chapter Let's have a, look at your, have a look at Acts chapter 11, verses 1 to 18. I'm going to read this for us, and then I'm going to make some comments, particularly looking at how do we manage transition. What are the, if you like, ethical principles that we can use as we work through changes and transitions in our lives? Because, hey, guys, change is hard, hey? Change is not easy. Uh, we as human beings, we don't like change. But yet, it is necessary and it is inevitable. So let's have a look here. I'm going to read for us. This is from the NIV. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure, unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me. And we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, 
Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come to us at the beginning. In the middle of a sermon, guys, God showed up, messed up the meeting. Then I remembered what the Lord said. John, the, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Okay, so, let's see if you've been listening. What, what are we going to be talking about now? Transition? I'm glad you're listening. Good. So, we're going to be talking about factors or criteria. What can we use to navigate transition? How do we do transition well? What are the principles, the, 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 the guidelines that can really help us? So, I really, my desire tonight is that we would be equipped, that we would be trained, that we would be empowered, that when we face with a transition, because, hey, guys, it's not a matter of when, Sorry, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, because we're all, all going to experience transition in some, of, in some stage of our lives. Okay, so that's what we want to speak about. So there are three things that I want to suggest to us that we can use to help us to navigate transition. The first point, we need to realize that transition originates from and is initiated by God. So to put it a simple way, God initiates transition, we respond. Okay? So, it all begins with a personal encounter with God. Now here's the thing. Signs and wonders, angelic visitations, trances, visions, God shows up, things begin to happen like we've seen some things in our midst, right? Here's the thing. Guys, those are not for entertainment purposes. Signs and wonders point to something or to someone. Think about if you're traveling down a road and you have a stop, stop sign. That stop sign is there. You are expected to stop at a stop street. If you see a yield sign, you're expected to give way for traffic on the right or the left or whatever. Okay? So, while Peter is in prayer... In the middle of his prayer, while he's up on the roof, he enters into a trance, he has this vision. God puts him into a trance, and in this trance, he sees a vision of a large sheep being brought down from heaven by its four corners, okay? So God initiates that. Secondly, Cornelius is visited by an angel. God himself sends an angel to visit Cornelius. In this report that uh, Peter is now, he's trying to convince the guys, hey, you are accusing me of now eating with, you know, uh, you're accusing me of something. I'm going to show you why God is up to something here, okay? So in this report, Peter refers to his as well as Cornelius' encounter with God to build his case. There's a declaration from God. God says to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them, okay? God also sends angels to offer guidance, okay? He says... Um, 
Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. There's also, while they're busy in the meeting, and Peter goes to Cornelius' house in the middle of his sermon, Holy Spirit shows up. There's a Holy Spirit manifestation, and there is a confirmation that is initiated by the Holy Spirit. And so through all of these God-initiated manifestations, Peter draws on these manifestations in the creation of his evidence to show what God is doing. And he says his conclusion is God gave them, the Gentiles, the same gift he gave to us, the Jewish believers. And secondly, Gentiles are to also be considered as God's people. So for me, scriptures that have really been speaking to my heart over these past three years, and especially fairly recently, is when Peter walks on the water in Matthew chapter 14. There's just something about that story that, that I've just I've felt so touched and moved by that I, I, I need to step out in faith into a new thing. And I remember uh, when we had our generosity tables there a couple of weeks ago, it was, you know, I think most of the things were taken off there, and I just decided to take a walk to the generosity table. As I walked to the generosity table, I picked up a DVD, and the name of the DVD, Walking on the Water. Come on now, man. That's a signpost. Clearly, God is up to something, you know? So, have you guys had experiences like that? You know? So, God initiates. So, the second factor to help us to really discern and to manage this transition is collaboration. And collaboration, I've divided into two things that are connected. Firstly, something that I've called joined or collective God encounters. It takes an encounter for Cornelius to send his messengers to Peter. So he has this encounter, and as a result of this encounter, he sends the messengers to Peter. And it takes a vision for Peter to accept these messengers um, and to follow them back to the house of Cornelius. So when Peter and Cornelius meet and greet, Peter stops him from worshiping him, and he says, stand up. I am only a man myself, no different from you, the Passion Translation says. So also, as Peter addresses the group, he makes this statement. Can you put up just verse 28 to 29? There's some of you don't mind. I want to just read this for us. This is the, the statement that he makes as he's addressing the group in Cornelius' presence. He says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God, I love those moments, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure, unclean, for when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Okay? So Cornelius then replies to Peter with the, with the group present by sharing his own encounter. So Peter shares his encounter, Cornelius shares his encounter, and from his own, from his own, from Peter's own encounter and Cornelius' encounter, Peter comes to the conclusion. Go to verse uh, 35 and 36, if you don't mind. There's some. I want to just show you guys something here. Check this out. Verse 35. Um, okay, that's the wrong one. Um, verse 35, is that right? Okay. There's a verse that says, 
You guys can believe me, right? It says, I now realize that it is true that God does not show favoritism, but accepts every nation, um, the one who fears him and does what is right. So, ethnic barriers were broken. It's no longer just the gospel by the Jews who became Christian to the Jews. It's now a gospel to the Jews as well as to the Gentiles. So, I'm part of a prophetic group, um, the focus group in Vineyard, South Africa. And what I've been so encouraged by is this, this thing of when, we, when, when, when words are posted on this group, it's, it's quite an amazing experience because what I've found is that when someone posts something on the group, it will either confirm something to me or it will add another dimension. And so there's this collective discernment. I hear from you, I hear from different people, and through that, I'm able to get a clearer picture. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Leanne, we were there at the, at the coffee shop, and I remember, and we were there, and we are praying. Have you ever been in a moment when you in somebody's presence, and they're in the same or similar season of their lives with you, and when you pray, it's like something leaps on the inside of you? Have you had a moment like that, where you like, oh, it reminds me about when, 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 when Mary and Elizabeth met, the baby leaped on the inside of her. There's something about when I get in someone's presence that is going through something that is similar to what I'm experiencing, that just resonates. There's this, I don't know how to express it in a way that's not Christianese, but there's this mutual Resonance. There's something inside of you that is connecting with something inside of me, and it's like a spark. It's like a divine connection, bringing those people together. That's powerful. And I, I wonder whether this thing with Cornelius and with, with Peter was, was such a moment where Peter saw, you know what, I, I've, I've had this encounter. Oh, Cornelius, you've had an encounter. Therefore, I can conclude that there's a shift. Okay, so second part of collaboration um, which is important for us to help us to discern, is accountability and consensus with church leadership. You see, Peter's giving a report here, remember? He's talking about, okay, they're questioning him and saying, why are you eating with these uncircumcised people? What are you doing? So Peter's report to the church, who initially at the beginning, they are, they're taking him to task here, like, what are you doing, dude? You know? The fact that he addresses or he, he actually speaks to the church, it highlights the important role that the church as a whole plays in this shift. The shift, remember, from Jew to Jew, from Jew to Jew as well as Gentile. And so what we see through this is that the unity of the Jerusalem church and the church of the Gentiles is maintained. There's no factions. There's no this church is better than this church. Just because you are a non-Jew doesn't make you inferior, or just because you are a Jew doesn't make you better than. Okay. Um, so we often say it in our community, guys, there's no lone rangers in the kingdom. So if you hear a word from the Lord, share it. Process it. In a, in a setting like this, we're going to go into worship shortly. I want to encourage you. If you feel like you're hearing something from the Lord, come and speak to Proven's on duty, come and speak to Dave, come and speak to me, 
and we'll discern together. You know, we'll figure this thing out together. We want to hear from God. We want to hear God. We want to, God needs to break through in our midst. Guys, otherwise, what are we doing? I'm tired of powerless church. I'm tired of same old, same old. God wants to break through. God wants to shift. God wants to move. And so I want to really just put that out there. So accountability and consensus with church leadership. Share and we can process and we can learn together. The third factor that I believe can really help us in managing transition or uh, sort of the criteria that we can use to, to work with the changes and the transitions in our lives is for each of us to have an understanding of the, of the bigger picture of the Bible through the lens of the kingdom of God. Now, that's a very loaded statement. So let me try to break that down for us. So in his introduction, Peter makes a speech to the, to the Jerusalem church and he announces that the Gentiles have finally received the word of God. Okay, so this signifies yet another stage in the progression of the powerful word of God. So the transition in the gospel by the Jews for the Jews, it now includes the Gentiles. And so this is a new era in the development of the church. And I, I believe, honestly, I really believe that we're in a new era. We're in a new era in the, in, the, in, the, in the development of the church. And I'll say something just now. But I want to say something. This new era in the progression of the good news, it does not demolish or destroy what was understood in the past. Rather, it builds upon what was understood at that particular point. So it doesn't demolish the past, it builds upon it. And I think Derek Morphew in his lectures about the kingdom, he uses this analogy of an ever-expanding window. So as you go through the Old Testament, it's like there's a deeper understanding, there's an unfolding, an opening up of what the kingdom looks like. And so let me say this again. The new era does not destroy or do away with the past. The new era, I believe there's a continuity. Does that make sense? There's a, there's a continuity. There's a, there's a development. There's a growth. There's an there's a added dimension, if you like. Just like with, in the church here, there was a development of the gospel from Jew to Jew to Jew to Jew and Gentile. It doesn't, it doesn't exclude the Jews. It includes them, and there's a, there's a new dimension opening up of that. So what I want to say about this, guys, is that when we read and study the Bible, we should ask ourselves where we are in the drama of Scripture. There's a book called The Drama of Scripture written by guys called Bartholomew and Goheen. And they basically liken the Bible, they call it a meta-narrative. It's a, it's a big story that is made up of different stories. And they liken it to a drama, a play. If you think of a Shakespearean play that's got five acts. So it's, it's divided up into scenes and acts. So I can't expect to really understand if I'm going to pick up my Bible and I, I pick it up in John. I can't expect to just grab a scripture and claim it. I actually need to understand where am I in this grand 
sense of the world. Where am I in the story? So that's important to understand that the context of that. So I really want to encourage us tonight that God is on the move. And I really believe that for some time, I've really been sensing that the church is actually, we're in a molting season. If you think about it, I've heard a story of, of an eagle that loses its wings. And then things happen and the things that are, sh are, are shifting, you know. So, I was so, oh man, Vineyard South African Conference was such a blessing to me. There were so many amazing talks for me. This, the talk that really stood out for me that I really believed shifted our movement. It broke through the glass ceiling was Don Phillips' talk. There was just something about that, that talk that really activated something in my spirit, activated something in my heart. And I believe that the shift that the Lord is wanting to bring to us, I think, I think as a church, as a community, as a movement, I think we have done well, and I'm not saying there's no room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. I think we have done well. We always talk about church as being compared to a school, compared to a hospital, all these wonderful metaphors. I think we've done well in that. But I think it's time for the army to rise up. It's time for the Joshuas to rise up. And I'm not just saying, I'm not saying do away with all those other things. We need to have, I am a product of what God has done in my life. I came here a broken person in really, and God, Jesus is still working in my life, still transforming my life, right? But it is time for the army to rise up. We are transformed by the Holy Spirit for the sake of others. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of us for our sake, but it comes upon you for the sake of others. People need an encounter with God. And so I want to Really, bless us tonight. It is, it is time for the army of God to rise up. And yes, God said to Joshua, you go by a road you've never traveled before. And so I believe we're in a time when God is going to increasingly release innovation. This is the time for innovation. Young people, there is an anointing upon your life for innovation. And older people, there is an anointing upon your life for wisdom and passion. And we need both to be collaborating and working with each other. So we've been in the barracks for too long. It's time, people. It's, Jesus is calling for this thing, and it's not a heavy thing. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this thing. And so here's the thing. For a kingdom to survive, we've got to engage in war. I'm not talking about with weapons. How do we engage in war? We engage in war on our knees. We pray. We intercede. We do the stuff of the kingdom. Jesus said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Freely you've received, freely give. And so it is time. It is time to make that shift. It is time to move from being just a passenger to being an active participant in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't just be dressed in our uniform, not engaging. 
All of us in this room have got our own battles that we face. And let me tell you this to you. When God heals you, he doesn't only heal you for your sake. Paul says, I comfort those with the comfort I myself have received. And so when he comes and he transforms you, God enables you to be and to impact the lives of those around us. Can we pray together, guys? I know it's been, it's, yeah, thank you, Father. Can the worship team just come up as we just um, close off in some prayer and just invite the Lord? Guys, can come up? Yeah. Everyone just wants to share something. Hey guys, if you were sleeping, you know, as Rob was sharing, um, I just felt that maybe some uh, some of us here are struggling with making a decision. You know, this uh, the, we're learning a lot about discernment, and and when we have to make a big decision, there's this loud noise in our head you know all this options all this ideas we try and work it out ourselves and sometimes it's it's hard to hear god because it's just so noisy up in your head mm. and i just felt i want to encourage us tonight as as we worship as we come before god that we would just still ourselves before him if you want uh pray in particular you, you want to make it, you need to make a decision, but you're not sure. You're not clear on what it is. If you could come to the front right here and just lay down, prostrate yourself, okay, and allow us to pray during worship for you. Lay down on your back or whichever way you feel comfortable. We'll come and pray with you and just give you some space to, to quieten yourself and really hear from God what it is he wants to say to you. I just feel like there's so much noise um, sometimes that it's hard to discern well yeah. what God is asking of us to do. Mm. Okay. Mm. So can we stand, guys? Let's stand together.